Welcome to another episode of Into the Remote Podcast, the show where we explore the new ways of working and exciting new future of work. Glad to have you with us again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Into the Remote Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about facilitation, one of the most important skills of the future that flies completely under the radar. But great leaders, like great facilitators, enable others to speak up, bring in diverse perspective and ideas, and create an environment where everyone feels like they belong. And today, our guest is Jakob Knudsen, the CEO of Butter. Jakob and I met virtually, asynchronously, when we were working together on the article that revolved around the trends in remote work. And as I was reading this final version of the article, I stumbled upon Jakob's contribution. And it said, facilitation is the remote skill of the future. And I instantly thought, okay, I need to speak with this guy. And there's another reason why I wanted to get him on the podcast. Uh, Jakob recently covered his face with butter. And I'm going to ask that question right off the bat. But uh, Jakob is also building butter. The tool, which is like Zoom, but laser focused on workshops and meetings and their target group is really facilitators. So I'm excited to discuss the topic of facilitation with Jakob. Jakob, welcome. Thank you so much, Yorai. Super, super excited to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's great to have you with us. So <laughs> let's address the most important and the most pressing question of the bat. Like, why did you cover your face with butter? That's an excellent question, uh, Yorai, and a question that I actually keep uh, keep asking myself every single day. No, it's uh, I, I think it's a, it's a, it was a meme that went alright. So it was a promise by our uh, chief growth officer Cheska. We we launched a product hunt yet, uh, last week, Butter 2.0, the new version of of Butter with a lot of great updates. And uh, uh, our, our lovely uh, chief growth officer made the made a meme out of out of me saying that if we got to number one, I'd smother my entire body in butter um and uh, as fate would have it we did not make it to one, number one that day we only made it to number three which was still solid i do not like the fact that we weren't number one but we still solid. so uh, i i'm a man of my word so even though i did not <laughs> smother my entire body in butter i smothered my entire face into a lovely lovely pack of lurpak danish butter so that was the that was a lovely story behind it. Absolutely. I, I, I love the whole concept of butter and you living up to your word and, you know, putting butter on your face. I think um, you really you truly <laughs> are living up to the values that you that you have at the company. So, Jakob, let's get into the topic. First of all, what is facilitation? Everybody keeps on talking about facilitation, but I dare to say there are very few people that truly do understand what facilitation is. So what is your definition? That's a great question, you're right. So facilitation is the act of getting a group of people through a session to the desired outcomes. And again, it includes a lot of different um, lot of different setups, but overall we in Butter see facilitation as being one of three acts. The first of this is uh, preparing the session, predefining the outcomes, defining the roles of people, and ensuring that everyone is clear on what the session is uh, going to be about. So it's the pre-session uh, component. 
Second part is the during the session, and their facilitation is guiding the group of people through the session and reaching the desired outcomes as defined before the session. And the third component is the post-session component, namely um, defining or taking the outcomes from the session itself and wrapping those uh, nicely and ensuring that they are implemented into the uh, particular organization that the outcomes are meant for. Like that three-step process that we see facilitation before, during, and after the session. Mm -hmm. And Jakob, I'm a huge believer in facilitation as the skill of the future as well. Um, but very few people actually associate facilitation skills with being a great leader. And the question is, why should leaders even think about becoming good facilitators? Yeah, it's a super good question. I think <clears throat> it relates back to the very, like a lot of people, they talk about meetings being bad. I think like this, this, this always means there's Dilbert comics is everything about, oh my God, we're going into another meeting and we're doing a meeting to do a meeting and we're spending time in meeting all day. That's horrible. And that just, that was just exacerbated when the world went remote during COVID and everyone was sitting on, on virtual uh, video meetings. Facilitation is a skill that has been relevant for a long period of time. And that is the act of getting the most out of these meetings and the act of not having any bad meetings at all. Again, that's an that's a skill that I believe that all leaders, but not just people leaders, also project managers or anyone that's leading any kind of process, they should have had ever since <laughs> the dawn of the dawn of business. But it's a skill that has just become even more prevalent and even more obvious when you see remote sessions. Because when you're sitting in a remote meeting, be that or a remote session, be that an all-hands meeting, be that a team meeting, or a workshop or a training where it's even more prevalent, it just becomes obvious that you need someone to carry you through the meeting and ensure that the, the takeaways of the session are, um, are made clear and that you actually spent the time well. In physical meetings, people were able to kind of use uh, almost like subliminal cues or, or help each other kind of carry through those meetings. But in remote meetings, you don't, you're missing a lot of those, a lot of those cues that you have in a, in a co-located or a physical setting. And that just means that facilitation or someone taking the lead on the meeting and bringing people through that meeting and ensuring that all the takeaways are created there, that is all the more important. That mean, that's why I believe that facilitation is the, the most important skill of this future, because I believe that in the future, you'll see way more remote meetings and you'll see more, way more hybrid meetings. And therefore, it becomes absolutely essential that if these are not to be made wasteful, you need someone that can take people and bring them through that session successfully to ensure that the outcomes are absolutely clear and that the time is not wasted. Totally. And as you said, Jakob, being a facilitator um, means that you are responsible for the process and achieving yes. the outcome, but it's also about tapping into the team's knowledge and wisdom. Yes. What if we don't do that? Like, what are the repercussions if the leaders are not so good at leading workshops, meetings, and in general, they suck at facilitation? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the outcomes are what we see these days, right? You, they are that you just waste a ton of time in meetings. I think one of the outcomes is also that we have this uh, general belief in, in remote culture that 
oh, async is best and async is everything. That's the only way to drive a remote organization. I think that the reason why everyone talks about asynchronous work uh, and asynchronous work being better than synchronous work is 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 a failure of facilitation. It is a failure mm-hmm. of the facilitation skill to be driven into leaders and into project managers. Therefore, people think that synchronous sessions, i.e. meetings, workshops, trainings, whatever, they are a waste of time. So um, that is basically, and, and, and the failure of that drives two ways, I believe. One way is what I just mentioned, the fact that all remote organizations, they need to be work asynchronously, but I don't believe that people are built to be asynchronous beings. Um, therefore, the other drive will be a drive back to the office, which again, as remote organizations, is something that I don't think is optimal, but it will be the ultimate, uh, what can I say, repercussion of the failure of facilitation uh, being a skill that, that leaders have. Yeah. And a lot of people are talking about the needs to upskill, you know, team members and leaders in general, uh, both on the on, on, on two front lines. Right. As you said, like asynchronously, we need to get better at documenting things, writing and recording the videos in a succinct way. But also, as you said, like leading meetings, which ultimately means being good at facilitations. So mm-hmm. let's get practical over here. Um, because facilitation can be difficult to explain, but when people experience a really well-facilitated meeting or a workshop, they're like, wow, I want more of those meetings in my life, right? So <laughs> how can we how can we learn to become better facilitators? Oh, man, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the biggest part of becoming a great facilitator is having a ton of empathy uh, and understanding, especially in remote settings, but in settings overall, uh, just what is happening to each individual in the meeting and whether everyone, whether you're tapping everyone's mind and whether everyone feels well. So there's something like, there's some basic skills around empathy. There's also another basic skill around structure, like uh, being a great facilitator is being able to set up a structure and stick to it. Uh, beforehand. So there's another basic skill there. But I think overall, there are a lot of great resources out there that help you understand the the basics of facilitation and, and kind of get there. Again, one of the reasons we built Butter to begin with was to create a tool that superpowered facilitators. And that, that basically meant two things. One thing was for people that are experienced facilitators, they should be able to just pop in there and then suddenly feel like all of their wildest dreams came true. That they're able to, you know, manage breakouts in an amazing way, have a great overview wherever people are, uh, reallocate uh, people on the fly, use whatever tool they have and just plop it in there, be it Miro, Mural, Poles, uh, you name it. But basically superpowering advanced facilitators into uh, uh, being able to do whatever they want. The other part that we wanted to do was to drive a structure that non-experienced or inexperienced facilitators can follow. So uh, that means everything from setting up an agenda beforehand. So you set up an agenda, you make sure that you have clear outcomes defined for a meeting. Uh, you set up you know, icebreakers, checkouts, and, and the core of the, the, the meeting structure itself, all of that beforehand. So that's a one thing, the first thing that a facilitator needs to do is ensuring that all the structure of the meeting has been planned up before. 
The second part is actually during the session. Again, we create guardrails that allow facilitators to stick to whatever they've planned beforehand, which is a super difficult thing to do. Like one thing is planning. It's nice. It seems good in, in practice, but then it comes back to the empathy and like sticking to the structure that you need to have during the session. Again, we, we created a product where we help people kind of stick to that structure uh, and we create ways of participants of engaging uh, that uh, kind of helps you with that empathy. It gives you cues uh, uh, to help with that with that empathy. Uh, and then we, we, we package it all nicely and kind of ensure that everything's there after the session has, has taken place. This, of course, became a bit of a, okay, hey, what's the good stuff that we're doing in Butter? But, but overall, uh, it, it is a... Because we believe so heavily in facilitation, not just being a skill for the few, but being a skill for the many, a lot of the stuff that we create is created upon the basis of what we believe facilitation should be. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that answered uh, a little bit your question, you're right. <laughs> you touched on some really important points over there. And, you know, you mentioned structure in general. And mm -hmm. to me, that helped a lot because as facilitators, as you mentioned a few times, we are not responsible for content, but we are responsible mm -hmm. for the process, right? And mm -hmm. being that kind of a bus driver that takes the takes the visitors from A to B, right? While yes. entertaining them, you know, just and making sure that we arrive there safely. And yes. to me, Jakob, that was incredibly scary off the bat, right? Like I had 60 mm -hmm. minutes and I was supposed to fill them up with something but i <laughs> had very few slides right for example yep. uh, i only had one or two exercises pre-planned obviously but i was just mm -hmm. like is this going to be enough and it was incredibly scary i have to be honest so how yeah. can how can facilitators get over this initial fear of not having content to fill in those 60 minutes for example i think that firstly Again, I think you put it extremely well with the bus driver analogy, uh, you're right, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I actually think there are two types of facilitators. Uh, let me say that. I think there are uh, non-content responsible and they're content responsible facilitators. It's a totally different uh, conversation, but let's Good stick point. to the non-content yeah. uh, re responsible facilitators first. Um, so again, the first thing is realizing that you may be responsible for collecting the outcomes and defining them up front through the the collective wisdom of the group, uh, uh, but you are not responsible for actually coming with all the content during the session. You're responsible for the structure, but not but not actually the meat. Um, and I think that that is what you also need to be comfortable with as a facilitator. If people, they, uh, if people, they are not providing the content, then of course you need a lot of, almost say tricks, but, but methods to, to pull that content out of people. But people also in that in the session have a lot of responsibility for providing that themselves. So I think the first part is just being comfortable with, yes, you've created the structure and you've created the framework for the success, but you're not the sole responsible for the success. People in that meeting holds as much responsibility, if not more, than you do. And making that clear from the very beginning, both for yourself, but also for the audience, is incredibly important. I think the second part is just taking a lot of inspiration from what others have made out there. I know there are tons of great methodologies on facilitation. There's so many great icebreakers, so many great check-in, check-out um, uh, tools out there, or not tools, but methodologies out there. I think taking a lot of inspiration from other facilitators, so you have a lot of backup tools in your bag if you feel that the conversation slows down, I think that's an amazing 
a way to kind of feel comfortable in a facilitator setting. I agree with you. And some of the most experienced facilitators and moderators that I know, they usually have a lot of these techniques and methodologies and activities in the back of their mind, and they can really play them as they as they go along. Let's be more concrete over here. Like, Jakob, do you have any favorite uh, techniques, questions, methodologies? Hmm. That's a great question. I, I wouldn't say that I have any specific methodologies that are favorites. And the main reason for that is I, <laughs> I mean, you, you see so many methodologies out there, but they're very case specific. I mean, design mm -hmm. sprint methodology is uh, quite nice when it comes to uh, bringing up product concepts super fast, but it doesn't fit, you know, more mature instances of the product, for instance, right? Um, I think that, uh, I think that when you look at a lot of different strategy, like, again, I used to be a strategy consultant. We had a lot of different methodologies there for setting up, uh, strategic initiatives in different areas. Like again, today, the OKR, uh, structure is a great way for doing that. And there are a lot of different workshops that kind of go around how you set up OKR, uh, uh processes within a company, but overall, uh, this was a lot of ways of saying, I, I think that it's that a lot of these methods, they're super case specific and there's mm -hmm. no size fits uh, one size fits all for, for all of these different uh, styles of, of, of facilitation. That's actually a really important point. Like if you want to facilitate a really good session, like it usually revolves around, as you said, like a methodology such as OKR or design sprint or design thinking and uh, mm -hmm. They are usually like uh, well tested these methodologies and a lot of resources out there. Um, one of the practical techniques, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, is let's park this item. And it helped me so much. And it's such a simple exercise, oh, right? Yes. Which means that once you start discussing a certain problem, but the conversation goes off or a person makes a valid point, right? But it's off the discussion. You as a facilitator, just stop it over there and say like, okay, Jack, that's a valid point, but let's just park it for later. And that yeah. really helped me to yeah. get better at the meetings that I was facilitating and bring the conversation back on the topic. Such a super simple method uh, as saying, okay, let's, mar let's park this topic, let's park this item, really helped me to improve the meetings that I was leading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that parking the item and just continuing onwards is one, like overall getting everyone to, you know, simple methodologies, like turn off your phones, turn off your notifications. Like again, super simple, extremely practical things that you need people to get in there. Setting ground rules in, I mean, I remember when I was doing workshops in my, my strategy consulting days in the physical space, we'd always have like a big poster on the wall, you know, with ground rules for the workshop, right? Uh, which included, you know, no phones, you know, the, the, the park it thing. Like we had a parking lot uh, poster where, you know, you, we take post-it and little stickies and put it up there whenever someone said it. I, I love the parking lot. Like, so a lot of these different uh, ground rules that are ahead that I, I, I believe are, are super nice and, and, and ever present. Um, one, one last ground or ground rule of methodologies that I, I love in the session itself is, is, and I think is especially important in remote sessions, is a very, I'd almost say strict, but a, a control or disciplined control of who has the word. Again, that's, a, I guess, a more modern version of the talking stick, but just being very, very clear on on whatever cue or, or, or whatever order that questions or comments or whatever, they come in and that you make sure that you uh, you take people in that order that it comes in because 
when you're when you're facilitating something online, the whole people speaking over each other, the fluidity of the conversation is very hard to achieve. Therefore, you do need that increased uh, level of discipline in terms of speaking order. Absolutely. And especially if you are in the virtual environment, as you said, like mm. reading those tiny cues, such as somebody nodding a head, right? You should jump on that as a as a meeting leader. Okay, yep. Jane, I see you are nodding ahead. Like, do you agree or don't you agree with the with the point that I've just made? And uh, that goes hand in hand with the topic of cameras on or off. Uh, what is your opinion, <laughs> Jacob? Like, should we should we have the cameras on during meetings and workshops or off? Very very strong opinion on cameras on, if at all possible, cameras on. Uh, again, we're missing so many, even with cameras on, we're missing so many physical cues uh, in, in virtual setting anyway. So if people opt for cameras off, then uh, then then it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to facilitate a meeting and get inputs. That being said, I, I do think that we, uh, and again, one of the reasons we, we, we made butter and one of the things that we're leaning very heavily into here in, in the virtual space is getting other cues that are more digitally native than simply uh, the cameras and the audio. Uh, a lot of nonverbal cues and, and, and non-visual uh, cues, the more you can create of these and the more you can collect of these, the more informed you'll be as, as a meeting leader or as a facilitator. So that's something you you that mean reactions, more... emojis, and these kind of stuff, exactly. right? Exactly, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, yeah. That's one of the examples. I think that's the that's the lowest level example. Like we are even every week we're discussing no, new ways that you can kind of um, new ways that you can you, that, that people could potentially interact and engage without us being dependent on the audio and the video, which which still hampers uh, hampers quite a bit and just doesn't transfer the same level of fidelity that you have been used to from a physical session. I'm I'm totally with you on that. Um, emojis, reactions, um, raising raising a hand virtually, uh, polls, even using a yeah. chat to collect yeah. the comments, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. you know having the tools to collect the questions. Like as facilitators, we really need to employ a range of these features and tools in order to create a really really engaging sessions. Totally, and I mean one of the big, so one of the big. Um, uh, discussion points we had since the very early days of butter and again goes back to your question at the beginning ah oh, why did you smile your face with butter jacob i mean our entire brand and everything that we are is very um <laughs> it's very fun it's it's very engaging it's very lighthearted um and it's it's basically the reason why we did that is a core belief that everything there it it just helps in terms of engagement it helps in terms of interactivity and 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 it it lightens the load or the the feeling of the participants and puts them more more uh, at ease. And that's what you really need when you are facilitating complex sessions uh, online. Mm -hmm. And you know, using all these kind of features and tools, uh, it puts more strain. It puts more weight on facilitators' shoulders, right? Like you need to have a multiple windows open or have to you know switch the screen and. Uh, that that's one thing that instantly stood out when I played around with Butter. That you have it all integrated, and you have one place where you can use all these kind of tools and and features. And I saw a lot of value in it uh, because, yeah, back in the day, I used to juggle multiple tools, multiple windows to pull off a successful session. Yeah, that's that's one of the big things that we wanted to create with Butter was the whole no more tab switching, no more tool overload for facilitators, but also for participants, right? Yeah. Uh, one thing that we discussed uh, discuss incessantly is in a lot of tools, uh, also video conferencing tools and other tools, uh, the participants can have 
quite a bit of control about how they experience the environment. We're very opinionated that the facilitator should be the one that controls the environment in butter. Uh, that means, you know, what should people be looking at? Should they be looking here? Or should be, they be looking there? Like whatever the facilitator controls and whatever they, they want the participants to see, that is what they see. Um, and, and again, it's, it's back to the whole idea that a facilitator needs to be able to control the session and needs to be comfortable that everyone is seeing what they want, what the facilitator wants them to see. Uh, uh, without the confusion or, or, or overload that you'd see from people opening a lot of different tabs or a lot of different windows. Yeah, absolutely. This is something what we believed in at Slido as well. Therefore, all the integrations that we put out there, right? Like with uh, Google Sites, PowerPoint and whatnot, uh, WebEx later on, just to streamline that experience. So absolutely with you on that. Um, Jakob, let's move on because facilitation and meetings are connected. Uh, they're like mm-hmm. twins mm-hmm. and ultimately really cannot... <laughs> cannot coexist without one another. Uh, but we all know that there is a lot of pushback against the meetings. And a famous example or infamous example of that is Shopify, which canceled mm. all the group meetings. And there was a lot of people you know, praising that decision. I was questioning that decision and still do until this day. So what is your take on meetings in remote teams? Ditch or keep? <laughs> I mean, very strongly for the keep, right? I mean, I think that ditching all meetings is an admission of failure, right? It's basically saying like, okay, we have not managed to create the meeting a value creating instance. Therefore, let's just ditch them all. Um, and that's basically a failure. I, I'd say a failure of facilitation, a failure of mastery of facilitation. Um, so again, if I, I do believe that there are too many meetings, I do believe that people overall tend to make the meeting the path of least resistance. It's like, we don't know what to do. Let's have a meeting. But overall, but aside from that, if you do, if you are specific on why you have a certain meeting, if you do set up a clear agenda, clear outcomes, if you do facilitate it specifically, then it's an extremely strong type of session where you can have significantly better, say, brainstorming outcomes. You can have, you can reach decision that's much, much faster than a lot of these things that you can do in a great, great uh, meeting and a greatly facilitated meeting that just simply will struggle to do asynchronously, which is Shopify's current uh, alternative. Mm-hmm. And in our daily jobs, like we experience and we attend a lot of meetings and different types of meetings. From your perspective, what type of meetings or which meetings in particular are in the greatest needs for a skilled facilitator? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very opinionated there, right? I mean, we started Butter with two use cases in mind, workshops and trainings. And those are, again, if meetings is all sessions where people meet, then this is a very small, not a small, but a very specific sub-segment of these. And the reason why we started those were because they were the most complex of uh, synchronous sessions. Um, those are like they're irreplaceable. You cannot like a, a greatly facilitated workshop where you uh, bring a group of people through a complex process and come out with a specific outcome. Like there's no real replacement uh, for that. It's very very difficult to do asynchronously if not impossible. The same thing for a great facilitated training session where you enlighten people. Uh, again, different types of trainings. It's not the zero to one where you can do a lot of async. But if you if you do tend to upskill people 
uh, with, with you know concrete examples and stuff, then a training session is, is, is great for that. So those need definitely need to be done uh, asynchronously. Then you have a lot of uh, then you have two other types of meetings that I believe are very important to do synchronously. One is the complex decision meetings. Again, mm -hmm. don't don't get me wrong. It's not that you have to take in the information during the session. No, you have to prepare a lot of stuff async. And I think for a great synchronous session to succeed, you have to have a lot of great async work around it as well. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong there. But I think the actual conversation and actual decision-making based on a ton of asynchronously uh, digested materials is best done in a synchronous session. The other uh, uh, type is uh, brainstorms. So just loose conversations where you kind of know what, which direction you're heading, but you mostly spitball in to come up with ideas in a specific direction. Uh, the ping pong and the, the fast building on each other's ideas uh, is just so much better done in a synchronous session there than it's done uh, uh, asynchronously, um, simply because of the speed uh, and the energy that you end up building there. Uh, the, maybe the plus one is uh, celebratory meetings. Uh, so again, if you want to, if you want to kind of have, if you have a great announcement that you want to do to a company at all hands or a town hall, uh, and, and you want to kind of have the energy build upon the energy, then that is also definitely something that is 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 better done in in uh, in, in sync. All great examples, and I think brainstorming sessions are so important. And most of us have been, you know have been participating in many of those over the years, but very, very, very few of those sessions really stood out, uh, like, to be honest. Can you give us some concrete tips and pieces of advice on how to really improve these brainstorming sessions? Yeah, again, I, 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 do, I do feel like I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> I think a lot of brainstorming sessions, they fail because they lack structure. And it, mm -hmm. some people, they think, oh, a brainstorm, that needs to be like fluid and we just go in there and then, you know, stuff comes out. But if you're not clear on why you are brainstorming and what the desired outcome of the brainstorm is, if you're, and, and not just desired outcome, but what, what is the playing field of the brainstorm? Uh, is it, can we bring in everything or are we playing in a spe very specific area? Like a lot of the best ideas, they come not from having a total open field. They actually come from creative constraints. Um, so again, the most important thing I, I believe for a successful brainstorm is, is, is setting up a clear playing field, a clear structure of the brainstorm and, and very clear outcomes from what you want out of, of the brainstorm uh, beforehand. And I'd say a, a plus one to that is only having people in the brainstorm that actually contribute to it. So not having people that are in there as spectators to the brainstorm, that's, it's, it's, it's a bit weird for the spectators and it actually constrains the, uh, the active people in the brainstorm from coming up with, uh, with, with ideas. Those are some very concrete uh, uh, tips on, 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 on uh, hosting and facilitating their brainstorms. Really good stuff over there. And uh, just to elaborate on the uh, synchronous element of great meetings, what you touched on previously, this proved to be working really well for us for uh, brainstorming sessions to do the pre-meeting yeah. work, right? Like you give yes. people yes. instructions. All right, folks, we need to increase the number of signups. And I would love to bring everybody together into the room. Like, how can we do that without giving these instructions ahead of the time? You just put a person, you know, on the spot and ask, ask this person, okay, tell me, how should we do that? Like, 
without doing a proper research, without thinking about it in a wider context, it's very difficult. And those meetings tend to go nowhere or you just scratch the surface. So that's what proved to be working pretty well for our team. Like when we started getting ready for these in-person meetings ahead of time. What's your, what's your opinion? So, so smart. So smart. Like I t- totally agree on that. And I think another thing that you, you avoid when you do the, uh, when you prepare super well and you ask people to do all the pre-work before they walk into the brainstorm, that's actually a group think, right? So if, if you make no pre-work, then you might very well end up with people like kind of just circle around the same ideas and, 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 uh, and group think. Whereas having done a lot of pre-work, you actually ask people to think in, uh, think in um, uh, on their own time, uh, which 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 then and and what was the word I was looking for? Uh, yeah, well, think on their own time or in their own in their own particular area. I do believe that you can do some of that pre work if you are if you need to carve out people's time. You can carve out like an individual time in the first thirty minutes of the brainstorm or whatever, where people can read through and kind of generate ideas on their own. But then you need to create that pre-work in as a part of the brainstorming structure, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jakob, let's talk about Butter. Because uh, as I said, like, uh, it's a tool for facilitators. And from what I've played around, it really looks something super valuable and taps into those needs, such as having or creating the structure, having you know this kind of a setup of tools that I can play along what are your favorite butter features to keep the online audience engaged? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think I think I have a few favorites. Uh, the breakouts, like again, uh, one of the big uh, troubles with online is the whole way that people in- interact with each other. Right? It's it's very hard to sit in a session of twenty people and actually have everyone kind of talking with each other. Breakouts is the best way of of solving that of breaking people out into manageable groups where they can actually get something valuable out of talking to each other. And, and that's something we've leaned very much into with, with Butter is, is creating extremely powerful breakouts that allow you to do that. I think in the future, we'd go even deeper into the like original thinking of why do breakouts exist? What is the purpose of doing breakouts and, and, and coming up with new solutions in, in that area. But for now, breakouts is definitely one. The other part I love about Butter is our is 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 our integrations and tools like as, as you mentioned like stuff that just runs directly in the product. Uh, of those are, for instance, Miro and Mural, the whiteboards that we, you can just open up. People aren't confused about where it is. They can open up directly in Butter and begin collaborating in there without having to open in a new tab or whatever. Even if you're even if you're coming in as as a guest. So those are some of the things. I think some of the dark horse features that. We built, and I was super surprised about how creative people could be. Was our flashcard feature? So we built like a way for for people to to create their own flashcard decks. They could be uh, decks of just simple question prompts. They could be interactive images where people could pin uh, their, their little cursors on. And we've just seen so many cool things that people have created, even from you know. Just saying, yeah, I stopped doing slides. I'm just doing flashcards now because it forces me to be very succinct and simple to using it for all kinds of super cool icebreakers. I particularly like like the sheep scale 
uh, uh, icebreaker, you know, what type of sheep are you today where you can pin, you know, a happy sheep or a crazy sheep or whatever, right? <laughs> so all these Love cool it. things that we just see people people create. So I think those are some of my so, some of my favorite features. <laughs> awesome. Great stuff over there. And uh, Jakob, you also uh, released templates just recently, mm -hmm. right? And that's also the reason why you smeared the butter all over your face because you ended up on the third place in the product hunt. So congrats on that. How can users get the most out of the templates that you released? Yeah, I mean, so we've got two types of templates. One template is for agendas. So if you want uh, to run the perfect, uh, yeah, perfect brainstorm, <laughs> uh, the perfect design sprint, the perfect town hall, uh, then we have a, a agendas, full-blown agendas, people can utilize in there. So they can just start up their Butter uh, account, it's, it's free, and then they can uh, plug in the template and then they can get going with the meeting. So again, back to the whole, how do we help inexperienced facilitators become strong facilitators? That's one of the ways that, that we do it. Uh, so that's one type of template. The other type is templates of individual tools. So they would be, I guess, for example, the sheep scale uh, check-in uh, templates. It's individual uh, individual tools, flashcards. It could be playlists, could be polls that we've got people made for, especially for icebreakers and checkouts. They've been extremely powerful there. So that's uh, that's the way that that I'd recommend people to to get the most out of the uh, out of the templates. Cool stuff. Uh, well, templates. As a facilitator, I always look for new ideas and for the templates. I mean, like mm -hmm. there are never enough. So really hoping that the that that the, not hoping, I'm sure that the templates will be popular and, and facilitators will <laughs> will will find a lot of value in them. Let's wrap up this conversation. So Jakob, over to you. How much do you think that facilitation will become really a sought after skill for the leaders? Oh, like I don't doubt that for a second. I think it'll be a massively thought, uh, sought after skill. Uh, already today, we're seeing loads of facilitation courses pop up. We're seeing that any remote organization or most of the remote organizations that I speak with, they uh, require people in leadership or in project management positions to have some level of facilitation training. And again, if we believe that the world is becoming more remote, which COVID for sure has pushed it to become, then facilitation will become an absolutely go-to skill for any kind of person that is expecting to enter into any kind of leadership or project management. Well, that's that's a beautiful picture of the <laughs> of the future, and I really, really hope that the facilitation will become a widely spread skill among um, among the leaders and the team members in general. And Jakob, just the very last question which I always ask all of our guests, what are your three favorite books that inspired you re recently? Oh, that's a great question. I think first of them is The Mom Test. I think uh, I think he's called Rob Fitzpatrick. It's such an amazing book. It's inspired me ever since the beginning of uh, of Building Butter. Uh, and, 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 and before that, a great way to... Um, to kind of get get going with uh, get going with any kind of startup or with any kind of problem that you wanna that you wanna that you wanna attack. Uh, second book that I'd recommend was the uh, oh, what's it called uh, the Great CEO Within uh, from Matt Machari. Uh, again, amazing not just for CEOs but for anyone that is running a startup. To be perfectly honest, uh, it's got very hands-on, very concrete tips on. On how to uh, how to, uh, to to build uh, to build any kind of startup, 
and the third book oh man you're really pushing me here um i think uh the, the third book would be a uh, pandora star from peter f hamilton which is a sci-fi book <laughs> i'm a big sci-fi nice. nerd and uh the uh what they say the world building is that is absolutely amazing and i i get so excited building that and uh, or reading a book like that also in terms of of what the world can become in the future Great stuff. Jakob, thank you so much. And if any of our viewers slash listeners would like to connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, I'd, re I'd recommend on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm under Jacob Knudsen. I, I'm very open to connecting. So uh, please connect with me there and reach out. Great stuff. Jakob, thank you so much for the interview once again. Great to have you with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're right. <laughs> <laughs>